Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. For more information and to donate online, go to 3cr.org.au. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. The Australian culture there. Three simple questions, three collect answers, and you go through that doorway to the greatest little country in the world. Good morning, everybody. This is Annie for Showreel. This is 3CR's look at the Australian film industry. There's lots of films coming out at the moment, coming from Australia. And the one that we're going to feature today is Happy Sad Man, which is uh, doing uh, a very uh, good trade, really. It's uh, got its release now, uh, starting today, actually, I think. Uh, But uh, it's already been shown in a variety of places and got lots of great responses. And that song was actually by uh, John Anderson, who did come in with uh, the uh, film director and uh, maker, uh, Genevieve Bailey, to uh, talk about the film, which is a great film. It's quite an inspiring film, really. Uh, But before we get into that, I want to tell you that uh, we've got uh, uh, four double passes to a film called Yuli. And if you want to ring uh, 94198377, you can put your name down to have them sent to you. Yuli is a a feature that uh, uh, follows the life of a Cuban uh, ballet dancer who uh, reached great heights. It's it's about his, it's a a bio, really. And it's quite fascinating because it's set in Cuba, of course, but it's uh, a story from the favelas to the heights of the ballet world. And it's particularly strong in terms of uh, the dance sequences. So if you're interested in that, give us a call, uh, 94198377. We've got uh, four double passes. The other thing that might be of interest to you is that there's a film coming out which uh, was at the Melbourne... Uh, film festival. It's called Susie Q. It's Australian documentary about Susie Quattro. And the thing that's of interest is that they're having a pre-screening before it opens later in the month at the Astor on Sunday at 4pm. And there's going to be a Q&A with Susie Quattro herself, which is uh, pretty amazing. So you might want to get yourself a ticket to that. <coughs> Excuse me. 4pm Sunday at the Astor. Uh, now that I've got the business over and done with, we're going to move on to uh, our chat with uh, Genevieve Bailey, the filmmaker who made Happy Sad Man, and uh, Johnny Anderson, who came along with her. Thanks for coming into the studio, Genevieve and Johnny, and you're here because of the film Happy Sad Man. Can you tell me uh, a little bit about the uh, making of this film? Because as you've just said, it took, it's been seven years in the making. Yeah, Happy Sad Man has been a really amazing, long, challenging, curious and and pretty fun journey. You can tell in the film itself that uh, you met some people who helped inspire you go down this road because previously you made a film called I Am Eleven, which is all about kids all around the world who are 11 and you just went and asked them about what it's like and you followed them about and everybody found this a huge revelation and obviously it's similar to this because the theme of Happy Sad Man is about people's lives, men's lives and their struggle with living a happy life. 
Yeah, I'm 11 was an amazing journey, not just making it in 15 countries, but traveling with it and meeting audiences. And I started thinking, well, what do I want to, want to make next? And I have a really interesting relationship with one of my best friends, Johnny, and he um, experiences really high highs and then really low lows at times. And John has a really amazing ability to express his inner world in a way that I think we don't <coughs> typically see men do. Um, on screen and I wanted to explore happiness and sadness through the eyes of five different guys uh, so we can sort of you know dig a bit deeper than what we typically see and um, I feel like conversations around mental health are becoming more common but at the same time there is still stigma around um, expressing the harder stuff so that's how Happy Sad Man um, came to me initially and then I also wanted to experience um, joy in making the film and to have audiences experience joy in watching it. So I'm always really happy when the cinema bursts into laughter like they did last night. That's always a special a moment for me as a documentary maker to hear people, you know, have really good belly laughs in the cinema. Because uh, John's in the studio here with us. How did you feel about the idea of someone making a film about your mental health journey? What did you it think? Wasn't, it wasn't uh, uh, put in those words. No. It was, I want to make a movie. I want to make a movie about uh, men and their emotions. And uh, I can't remember whether I was up or down or in the middle that day, but I thought, oh, yeah. Um, and I didn't take it particularly seriously. And I, I, was, I was a bit flattered, I suppose. I thought, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll be... Uh, and freaked out at the same time. Because uh, there's nothing more personal and impersonal about someone sticking a camera in your face, right? Well, she's pretty good at it, you know, because I can remember in the early days, or it, it was a long time ago, so that's the early days of making the film, uh, one day I was sitting on a sofa in your living room and uh, you were asking me questions and you were holding the camera down at waist height very surreptitiously. And uh, so there wasn't... It was, and, the, and then there have been other times when there's been great bloody big cameras with, and, and even maybe boom sound things, I don't know, but, you know, like you really know you're being filmed. And then there's other... Uh, uh, look, it's been... It was pretty, I guess, painless uh, uh, for many years. And then when I saw it the first time on a small screen at Nick Huggins's place... Uh, the guy who did the music, um, there were things that freaked me out. You know, like just to see yourself in the mirror on a bad morning, you know, you, you freak out. And uh, uh, and there have been, uh, and since then too, there have been uh, these things, it's hard to... Uh, face up to what you really like. Yeah, and the camera, it, in a sense, the camera doesn't lie. No, that's right. It's a bit like with uh, radio. When people first hear their voice, they freak out. They don't mm. realise that's what they sound like. Mm. Uh, and I guess it's exactly the same. It's very, very personal. Uh, if it took such a long time to make uh, and uh, you are marrying together very intimate conversations effectively, quiet conversations with bigger, larger events. How did you actually work that out in the weave? 
Yeah, the editing process was a very intricate one and I worked with Annabelle Johnson in cutting the film and uh, she watched absolutely everything that I shot. There was a whole lot of footage where I thought, oh, we're not going to, you know, we'd never use this, we won't use this. But Annabelle, um, her craft, you know, is is so important to her and she wanted to watch absolutely everything. So she did, which was great because it was a lot of footage. So John, How, how much footage? You know, I wish I could say in terms of, terms of hours. hours yeah. I don't know in terms of hours because my last film, I'm 11, we had 125 hours of footage. But now, because it's all gigabytes, I'd have to work out how many hours there were. But, um, but yeah, it was a huge task to go through it all and then start editing. But interestingly enough, the opening scene of the film, Annabelle and I watched that on day one when she started the edit with me. And we put it at the front of the film and said that could be the opening. And the film had so many incarnations and rough cuts and rough cuts and fine cuts. But that first shot that we placed into the timeline on day one of the edit, um, Annabelle edited with me for many months. And then I cut the film for another year beyond that point when she finished. Wow. Yeah. And um, that first shot we put in is still the opening scene of the film with Johnny um, at my house in Brunswick. And wasn't it shot on, on your phone? No, it was shot on oh. my Canon camera. I started shooting on my phone and then quickly pulled out the Canon camera. But John, as you can probably tell from being in the studio here in this short period, he's pretty hard to not shoot um, because even when I would sometimes turn the camera off, I'd be like, John, don't be interesting. I just turn yeah, the that's camera right. off. Don't be interesting. Oh, don't be interesting. Hang on. <laughs> so um, John and I have a friendship, um, you know, that spans many years. And I should say that I made a documentary when I was in film school with Johnny. That's how we first met. And that's on YouTube, and it's called From Bombay to Broken Hill. So John was familiar with me and my camera uh, well before Happy Sad Man came to be. But after making that short, I always thought I'd like to do a bigger project with John, and we've become friends and um, travelled the world. Um, to and you, you've obviously got the knack of making real friends because the other people that are in this who are – it's a portrait of these people, like Jake and uh, Davey, Grant yeah. and Davy. They've allowed you, they trust you quite clearly. How did they get to be chosen to be part of this? Yeah, so Jake um, was born in Malaysia and raised here in Melbourne and we met when he was the cinematographer on a shoot that I was doing many years ago and became friends. And then he headed overseas and has been primarily based overseas working in places like Afghanistan and Syria. Yeah, really freaky places. Yeah, as a war photographer. So Jake would come back for short periods and visit family and friends and then, and then head back over to conflict zones. So I started filming with him because I wanted to include his story. And um, David is one of the most enchanting, wonderful, magnetic people you could ever meet. And I used to talk about David all the time. And I thought, I've got to put David in this film so other people can meet him. And that's what I love about film as my craft is that you can capture stories and and then spread them, you know, not just here in Australia, but across the world. So I'm excited um, that audiences get to meet these guys. Uh, And there's Ivan, who is a rural outreach worker in country Victoria, who I met through our music composer's sister-in-law who lives out in country Victoria and said, you've got to meet Ivan. And then Grant is a Kiwi-born but now Bondi-based uh, surfer and wonderful human who has had his own um, journey with bipolar and started a group called Fluoro Friday, um, encouraging people to wear crazy outfits down to the beach early in the morning to raise awareness and support for mental health and to community, not-for-profit. And, um, yeah, that was an amazing journey to meet Grant and, yeah, the guys have all been super generous in trusting me with these stories. 
Well, they have. And uh, going back to that opening sequence, I found, my as, an, as a person watching the film, I found the experience of coming into the film with that opening was like walking, uh, carefully getting into the pool or going to the beach. It was a really lovely, uh, relaxing, human experience. I found it really, really uh, touching. It's so interesting that you say that, Annie, because a friend of mine, Joe, when he watched that opening scene, you know, I showed him about 10 minutes of the film. He said, whoa, you're not going to start the film like that, are you? <laughs> and I said, yeah. And he's like, we went to film school together years ago. And he, he said, oh, you can't start the film like that. It's too I relaxed. Said, no. He said, it's going to freak people out. It's like a horror movie. No, you can't. You can't. <laughs> he looked at, look at John's face. No, you can't. Oh, oh really? And I said, Joe. And he goes, oh, nah, really if you want people to be freaked out. But otherwise, oh, and then when I finished too personal. The, when I finished the film, he said, "You didn't start the film with that shot, did you?" I said, well, "Yeah, he's, I did. He, he's, he's bipolar, you know, like he's a career bipolar." Oh, that's fantastic! I, I think, yeah, I mean, everyone everyone sees things oh, differently, and I sometimes. really liked it. Yeah. I watch a lot of films because I do reviews, and they're very structured, and a lot of work goes into the opening sequences. Uh, and they employ people to do the animated sequences and things like that. It's mm. fascinating work because it's to lure you in like a mm. fish into mm. the environment. Mm. Uh, mm. But what you did was just sort of, uh, it was like when I was a kid and I got pushed into the big end of the pool. I was going to say, yeah, in the deep end. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll report back to Joe so he knows what you thought, Annie. But, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, to be honest, it's, it's sometimes the hardest thing is locking in the first scenes of the oh, film. Oh, yeah. But... Um, but yeah, with this film, it, you know, it had to be that shot of you, Johnny. From October the 28th to the 31st, some of the worst climate criminals will be gathering for the International Mining Conference, IMARC, at the Melbourne Convention Centre. Blockade IMARC is an activist alliance committed to putting a stop to the mass destruction caused by extractive industries across the globe and the harm they cause to communities and ecosystems. We need your help to be part of this blockade. Find out how at blockadeimark.com or check out our Facebook page, Blockade IMARC, a 3CR supporter. Yes, it's the last day of the IMARC. Uh, blockade. So if you can get down there and support the uh, people who have been uh, sta- fighting the good fight, that would be a good thing. The uh, We're in the middle of uh, listening to a chat with uh, Genevieve Bailey and Johnny Anderson. Uh, Genevieve is the filmmaker who made Happy Sad Man, which starts tonight uh, uh, around the country and uh, is getting such uh, great reviews. And Johnny is one of the participants in the film. So let's continue with our chat. Yeah, it's been a really interesting process editing the film. And I often, as a filmmaker, um, always actually, not often, I always encourage feedback before my film's finished. So not just from the people involved in, in the filmmaking process, but complete strangers doing test screenings and seeing their response because I want to make sure that if there's anything that's not landing or things that aren't clear or things people aren't just sort of resonating with, that I've got time to change that. Whereas if you wait till the very end and start showing to audiences, um, you miss the opportunity, I think, to, to engage with an audience on a deeper level. Yeah, it's very conversational. The The other thing I wondered is, uh, did you find out all the things that you found out by living with the people or did you have a kind of a scripty type idea? 
No, I mean, with I'm, I'm not that very technical term. Yeah, scripty, yeah. I guess. Well, with I'm 11, I laughed looking back that I didn't actually have a list of questions. I got on a plane to Japan. Yeah. I'd never been outside of Australia. I just started talking to kids and then went to Europe and the UK and then ended up spending six years making the film. But with Happy Sad Men, I think my relationship with John was leading me um, initially to explore equally the the, um, the humour. Like John's such a wordsmith and very, very funny and very cheeky. And we're both very curious about people. So John and I are known to say to people, we don't say, what do you do for a living or what's your job? We say, what, what's your passion? Mm. And whether it's someone at a train station, oh, that's someone interesting. You know, holding a ukulele case on the street or someone in a fruit shop or wherever, Johnny and I really like connecting with people in a way that sometimes people might find a bit like, oh, why are you talking to them? But I love talking to strangers and John and I have that in common. And in the opening scenes of the film, I say that John thinks that what we have in common is that we're both opportunists when it comes to having fun. Yes. So I think that playfulness that I share with Johnny um, is translated on screen. Also, David's character um, is also very playful and so... Oh, very um, sweet. Yeah. So I think... Gentle. For me, structurally, wanting to make sure there was times where the audience could laugh because, yes, audiences cry in the film, but I feel like laughter is just as important. It's a release of energy and it's best shared. So... Uh, for me, yeah, structuring the film so that at the end of it, people don't walk away from the cinema feeling like, oh, that's oh, no. exhausting. You want, and yeah. people get quite buoyed. Like people came out of our screening last night at the Nova and there's a lot of hope, which I think um, often when people are exploring stories to do with mental health, they can be a bit, um, they can be upsetting. Um, well, they are upsetting. But the thing too is that there's an implication that it only happens to some people, but that's not true. Yeah. It's true. As John just said, that when I first spoke to him about the film, I said it was about men and emotions. And when I was um, editing the film and my brother watched a rough cut, he said, it's not a film about mental health. Don't call it a film about mental health. Oh, sorry. I did. Well, that's okay. People do. And I said, well, it's a catch-22 because on one hand, his point was, well, me and my friends wouldn't want to go and watch a film on a Friday night about mental health, but they would love this film. Yeah, and it's about would. men and it's about their journeys and it's about emotions and everyone can relate to happiness and sadness. Whereas then we also have people who work in mental health or appreciate the complex complex landscape of mental health and they say, well, by you not calling it a film about mental health, isn't that just further stigma? In, in Isn't there stigma around why don't you just call it what it is? And I said, well, I'm mindful that mental health can, um, for some people, talking about mental illness, as you said, they can sort of go, well, that's people over there who suffer from that. I'm over here and I'm fine. Whereas I would argue that it's a spectrum and at different points in our life we all go through ups and downs and difficulties. So... I want to appeal to a much broader audience than people who necessarily um, work in this space. But at the same time, people last night, there was a few psychiatrists and psychologists at the screening um, who really liked the film and were grateful to the men's honesty and, and really want the film to be shown in, in the professional sector of people working at the front line, which is also a big compliment. Well, it, it's uh, very uh, human and that's what it's about really, isn't it? It's about humanity. And I was just going to say one other thing that really struck me was uh, the way the film is uh, so honest was the lovely interaction between your first son and you, John. He really came across in such a... Light, such a um, Natural way, like you. You're talking it, about Roland, the big, yeah, the, the big, uh, yeah, landscaper, yeah, ping pong uh, player, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, it, yeah. It was just so revealing that whole sequence. I was very moved by by that. Yeah, I, I was too. Every, every time I would see it, 
And it's so obvious that he's, it's about uh, a people's capacity to actually listen and involve themselves in other people's lives, really, isn't it, in a way? Mm. And that's what this film does too. Yeah, that, that was my motivation. I think seeing Johnny when he's been very unwell and wondering how can I be supportive or how can I be there for him. I also have a number of other people, loved ones in my life, who um, have struggled or are struggling, and I think how can I better be there f- for them? Yeah. I think I've realised over the last seven years making this film, I'm really fascinated slash obsessed with understanding people and why we are the way we are and how we can better be there, not just for ourselves but for other people. So I wanted audiences to watch Happy Sad Man and to be able to feel more connected with themselves but also with other people around them. And we had a few people come out of the screening last night who said... I need to call my dad or I've got someone I need to call or I, you know, and John will laugh at that. But it's true. People I'm feel... I'm laughing at that. I'm relishing it. Yeah, that's what yeah. I mean. It's That's why I think Happy Sad Man, it's a gift because these guys have been so honest in sharing their story and people feel very moved and realise... Someone wrote down a, a comment last night, I saw Happy Sad Man and it reminded me to listen more. Hmm. And I think that's a big thing as a documentarian, you're behind the camera and for me... I've got to have big ears and listen. And then in the editing process, you've got to listen. And in the test screening process, you've got to listen. And so, yeah, it was really nice to see um, that feedback and and know that people are going to reach out to people um, and connect. And I also would acknowledge that sometimes it's really hard when you do reach out to people and you don't hear back or you think you're bothering them. People think, oh, I don't want to bother her or I don't want to bother him. But Grant in the film, he shares from his perspective that even if he's not feeling well, yeah, yeah, it's really nice to feel loved, even if he doesn't feel well enough to go out and catch up with mates or whatnot. It's really nice for him to know people are thinking of him. So Let's go to your uh, music. You're a musician and uh, your music is incorporated in this film, isn't it, Johnny? A bit. Uh, Tell yeah. us what happened. Well, <clears throat> two years ago, Nick who, Huggins, who did the music for the movie, mm. uh, did he do the music for I'm 11. Yeah, he's been a long-term co Yeah, I've known him for a long time and, and love him. And uh, he said, I want to make a CD of your songs. I've written many, many songs over the years. And uh, I'm not a musician in the sense that I do the circuit or anything like that, but I, I've done a lot of music. Uh, uh, and I said, yeah, all right. A bit like with Jen and the film, you know, you know, all right, but without getting too serious about it. But it transpired that I was at Point Lonsdale staying with him and now was the opportunity and he made me sing a lot of songs and then he chose, I don't know, 12 or 10 or something and then he made me change a few of them. Like which is, I've never had this happen before with my songs where uh, he basically he produced in a very... Um, uh, Oh, benign way or gentle way, uh, this CD and, and and got me to get a few friends to record extra bits or to play along yeah. remotely, you know, and send it in to him. And he, he mixed a little bit of that in. Oh, there, were, well, there was a weekend where two guys came down and, and we did it in, in his shed. Um, anyway, the upshot is that there's this. Uh, CD that he's he titled it Introducing John Anderson, and it's got a cover. It's got you know it's got a still on the cover that's from the from the film. So 
And I actually feel, because I had that, you saw it in the movie, at the end yeah, of the yeah. movie, I did it 18 months ago, I, I had a, Big a very nasty meltdown yeah. and ended up in a cycle and being 71, it was an aged cycle, <laughs> oh, right, <laughs> which yeah, gave yeah. it an extra sort of uh, dimension. And uh, and then I didn't play. I went back to my place. I got a house in uh, half an acre in a little country town near Corion. Yeah. And uh, I just got more and more busy with uh, the house and garden and yeah. building a cubby out the back because I've got mm. a tenant in the house. And so I've been working very hard. And not, not playing any music at all until just the last maybe six or eight weeks. And I've just started to play and it's almost like... It's happened to me in the past where I haven't played for, for a while and, you know, quite a long while. And then when I come back, I come back with a, a fresh... Or, yeah, it seems like a fresher approach. And, and, and so I'm, I may... I don't know where it's going to go now with, with playing because I, it came up in this Q&A last night where the psychiatrist who was there on stage, uh, MCing or whatever, um, he said something about, oh, there's a lot in this movie about fathers and sons. And I kind of said, hey, listen to my CD. You know, like the, the, the first track on the CD is an eight or nine minute song to do with me and my father. And it, that, that came from a period of intense depression mm. Uh, 25 years ago, where I, and it took me a year to write the song, and I had to do a whole lot of historical research, but it was a massively healing process where I ended up at a music camp, still feeling depressed, but a but a kind of gourmet music camp down in the Hot Rise in the, um, the summer, and I nearly memorised the song. You know, imagine you know it's a long song to memorise, but because it was coherent. Uh, you know, I, I, I was I, I had it, and uh, they had these uh, musical evenings: Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Well, I arrive on Friday and um, wanting to be maudlin, and that, that didn't cut it. No, no, no. And then on Saturday, I, I think I, I, I sang the family piano, and you know, and I, I just I figured I'd not be maudlin, and that went really well. And then on the Sunday night, I thought, fuck it, I'm going. I mean, <clears throat> I'm going to sing this song. And I sang it, and for the first time ever, I didn't cry, and 300 people were weeping. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> That's great. And, you know, and then it was like, and it was a bit like after the movie. You yeah. know, you, you see this movie, people come up to you who you've never met before, yeah. and they'll spill their guts about themselves or their, their uh, you know, or family members, usually family members. Yeah. And I thought, yeah, it's very much about people, you know, us people. Yeah, us people. Mm. I feel yeah. like it's a great opportunity for conversation but also for healing in different ways when people can watch John's story or Grant or Ivan or David or and just they um, <clears throat> see a bit of themselves or someone else in it and they feel compassion for themselves or for others. And um, we had a really nice random moment in a kebab shop on Sydney Road in Brunswick where a guy recognised Jake from the film uh-huh. and he went up and said hello and then... Um, you know, he just said, I saw you guys on stage and you were just like stars. And I thought if I was to say to you guys, hey, if we make a film about your mental health, people are going to think you're a star. You guys <laughs> would have all laughed at me. But this guy was probably in his 20s and he just said, oh, I just sobbed so much. He goes, I just cried. And he said it gave me, um, made me feel a lot of compassion for men. And he said, often I feel ostracized. But when I watched the film, it made me realize it's okay to be a sensitive guy. So there's so many bits of feedback that has been shared 
um, with us. And it's just only the beginning. Like Happy Sad Men is about to open in cinemas nationally. So there's going to be so many more stories that come in and, and move us. But another one of my favourite ones was a woman who saw the film in um, a farming community in Victoria and she came with her farmer husband and she said, look, we're from a pretty stoic family. And she goes, I came to the matinee with my girlfriend and we brought our husbands back to the evening screening. And I said to my husband at the end of the film, what, what, do, you, what do you reckon? And he said, oh, I'm not too sure. At the start I had all this pain in my chest and then by the time the credits rolled it just sort of all melted away. And I was so moved by that. I thought, oh, so could I video you saying that? Because I wanted to capture those moments because the feedback has been really visceral actually. Some of the things people say, um, it's really moving and, and it's been at times a really difficult process making this film for me. Um, but I'm really proud that it's resonating in all the ways that I hoped it could and, and beyond that as well. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to um, travelling around the country with it. So we're opening up, yeah, in, in many different places across Australia and we're going on tour to do Q&As in many cities and, and regional areas as well. So I'm excited about that. If people are interested to know how they can see Happy Sad Man or hear John's solo album or the soundtrack from the film, if they want to visit happysadman.org um, or our social media is at Happy Sad Film. We'd love to hear from people. Are you recording now? You bastard. You happy with that? <clears throat> My father used to tell what he called funny stories. Mostly about his successes. Well, I'm a chip off the old block. I'm worse than he was. I mostly bang on about my excesses. This song's about me. It's a long one. About how to forgive and forget. This song's about me. And it's for my sons. The ones who haven't forgotten me yet. I'll be as quick as I can. I'll try not to rave on. But there's some background that I need to mention. Dad expected us kids to show some respect and to always give him our full attention. So if he suddenly went quiet, we'd know what to expect. We'd look at each other. No one spoke. <clears throat> Where was I? It was always the same. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.